I mean, not what I would have done, but that, that's fine too. <laughs> All right, let's start this over. What What would your opening be after four months? Why don't you try it? Um. Um. Mm. Uh, uh, we're we're back. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, You've had four months to think <clears throat> about how you're gonna open this up again. We could have got accents. We could have got matching outfits. We should have learned another language. Come on, dude. This is all fair. Yeah. Uh, but n- none of that actually happened. No, we've had four months to mature and take improv classes and improve our jokes. Mm-hmm. And all you've done is grow a mustache. Mm-hmm. And all I've done is badly bleach my hair. So. I mean, yeah. What What else did you expect? <laughs> That's what you get from us, baby. Yeah. Also, the fact that we're what just we're almost almost five months later. Oh, <laughs> well, dear listener, just in case you forgot, this is us. We're here. We do a podcast Hi-ya. sometimes. Yeah, sometimes we just it's just five months in between each episode, but yeah, it's fine. It is what it is. You know what? We went hard for 50. We did. We went hard for 50 episodes and then we're like, nah. Yeah. Got sleep. Gotta get sunburnt. Gotta get married again. Gotta get get, you know. Gotta get got. Gotta get got. Yeah. But here we are and we're so glad that you're here. Just in case you forgot, the thing that you're listening to currently through your your platform that you're listening to is a podcast uh-huh. called I Think Spooky Ghost. Yes. With Justin. That's him. And me. Just me. That's it. <laughs> it's just Justin and his majestic mustache. Yes. That is correct. Yes. Well. And Hannah, of course. Yes. The most wonderful co-host. Oh, wow. 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 That's cute. You have to say that because you got married to me again. Correct. Wow. Well, I wish I could say a lot has changed, but not a lot has changed so we're so glad to be back yeah yeah we sure are yes um and i think that you're really going to enjoy what we have set up for you yes on this comeback episode wow we are the comeback kids and wouldn't say that we're (laughs) like not quite adults yeah you know the the comeback tweens sure Let's go with the comeback queens. (laughs) I like it. Uh, I think you're first this week. I think so. So strap on those boots and get ready to listen to me butcher another language. Let's go. Welcome back. Uh, Never left. Thanks. That's great to hear. I'm glad that you haven't taken a five month break from me. (laughs) All right. We're just going to go ahead and dive into the deep and dirty, and we're just going to go ahead and splash right into this this story, okay? Okay. Um, as you, my, my sweet lover, Justin, as you know, um, you've been telling me for about the last five months, like, Hannah, I really want to bring the podcast back. Like, we should start doing research. We should get ideas. Let's do this. Let's prepare so that we are not scrambling to create an episode last minute. And 
here's the thing, Justin. Um, I heard you, but I didn't do that. So as right, you, right. That's why we're in this position mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So I had this list of really great ideas that I wanted to do. And then today you were like, so that podcast thing, I was like, oh yeah, bro. I know what you're talking about. So thank you. I scrambled the story together last minute. However, I'm very excited to tell the story because this story, my comeback, my success story. Mm, that's what this is. Is a recommendation by none other than Marcy. Wow. So Marcy, this one goes out to you, homegirl. The infamous. The infamous. The OG. Spanish delight. Original gangster. <laughs> I don't know how to say gangster in Spanish, but I'm sure it's I'm sure it's really cute. I was going to say Gangnam style, but that's nope. not. That's it's not. also not Gambu. Oh, rip. Okay. Yep. Anyway, so today, Justin, I'm going to be telling you a spooky, a spooky story from España. I'm going to do my best, folks and friends and, and spookables, to not disappoint all of you who speak Spanish, understand Spanish, who aren't me. Let's just go ahead. People with that. who may be living at this moment. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just far reaching. I'm going to do my best to not sound like a complete youper, but no promises. All right, Justin, you ready to take a tale with me? Definitely. All right. Justin, I want you to picture a group of the dead passing down the street next to your house or perhaps passing by your tent as you complete your first day of your Camino de Santiago. Imagine that you are just drifting off to sleep and all of a sudden you get a strong smell of candle wax floating into your nose. Uh, What does candle wax smell like? Yes, that is correct. Justin, as you try to drift off to sleep with the smell of burning candle wax under your nose, you start to hear the wind hitting against your tent, the wind hitting against, batting against Uh your window cells. Wait, I thought we were in a tent. That is correct. (laughs) You start to hear the ghosts the dead sing out deathly stories and spread an energy that only makes your skin crawl and makes you want to die yourself. Um, You want to escape, but you can't because you've zipped yourself in the tent. And the windows, (laughs) the windows in the tent, the windows are barred shut, Justin, because it's October and it's a chilly. Oh, (laughs) Another reason you can't escape is because while their songs are deathly terrifying, they are also hypnotizing. Okay, so what I'm picturing right now yes. is little Miguel yes. singing yes. Un Poco Loco <laughs> outside of my tent with his little guitar. And un poco loco. I think that's just all that's all I needed to be completely wrapped into this story. You're equally terrified and entranced. Correct. As you hear the wise words of un poco loco beckoning you to come to the underworld. Ooh. I mean, you're not far off. 
I was gonna say Miguel or Shakira, just oh, okay, you yeah, know, going yeah. going hard. Um, but unfortunately, no, it's they're more dead than that. They are terrifying, but as you are hypnotized, you are curious to see what will happen next. As they pass by your house, you were you are not sure if they see you or if you are really seeing them at all. But you wish that this moment could disappear, nonetheless. However, your eyes are not playing tricks on you as you view the two lines of the Santa Compagna or the Holy Companion as they walk before you to announce the death of a new soul that will join their procession. They are welcoming another spirit to their group. They are driven by a curse which can only be lifted by a powerful witch, fate, or the sun. All right. So there are many different versions of the Santa Campania out there, and I am grateful enough to have found a lot of really cool information on both English and Spanish Wikipedia sites. A lot of cool Galician. I might be oh, yeah. Galician. I'm, I'm really I'm having a hard time because I'm thinking of Galarian from Pokemon, yes. but it's the Galician <laughs> uh-huh. region of Spain. And I'm I'm so sorry. It is the Galarian region. Because I know that's like a hot subject that they they're separate yes so i'm really really sorry mm-hmm. siento. however going back to this from all the forms there are some common similarities um through what people can describe as the santa Copania. so i'm going to just go ahead and just do the the broad details okay so as i talked about it's a procession of the dead or a pr- procession of souls that are in torment and they are often depicted as um again for some reason in two lines so you have the two single file lines of souls that are wearing white hooded cloaks which is a little iffy um that are Uh, going through through villages (laughs) i mean it probably existed long before oh yes any negative connotations existed with it thank you Thank you, Southern U.S. The procession, interestingly enough, is often led by a living person who is usually a parishioner of a particular church that is carrying a cross or a cauldron of water. Mm. Sometimes they carry both. Interesting. And they are followed by several of the souls of the dead holding lit candles. Although these souls are not always seen, it is said, as I said before, that the scent, the overwhelming scent, excuse me, of melted wax can be detected on the breeze as they pass by as like a a warning of their presence. Mm, Yeah. So not only do you smell the wax, but you feel the the heat from the candles. So Mm. it's said that if you feel heat on you in the middle of the night, it's the Santa Campania. Campania Oh, weird. Yeah. What if you just like peed a little in bed? I mean, we've all been there. But but you thought it was the Santa Compagna. Exactly. What was that vine we were watching earlier today? The guy uh, said that he peed on the the jean couch, the jouch. The jouch. Yeah, yeah. the jouch. Yeah. That's not the same thing. I'm it's sorry to laugh. Extremely different. How dare we? <laughs> the Santa Compagna is not the jouch. Very true. All right. So, Justin, you may be asking, why is a parishioner, a living person, leading this procession of the dead i mean well i i i was asking what does candle wax actually smell like i see so <laughs> i don't know where your question came from yes. but that's not relevant to me or my wishes um 
from I'm, what we're learning here. I hear that I'm supposed to decipher what you are actually thinking. And I feel like that that thought that I want you to ask is actually really deep inside of you. And so I'm feeling that and I'm going to run with it. How that sound? Yeah. So the, so the candle wax thing. <laughs> Here's a good question. Does candle wax smell like a burning candle? You know, like you, you know what the smell of a match hitting a, a match box smells like, you know, is that what candle wax smells like? I would not imagine so. So what does candle wax smell like? Especially if it's I'm not like you. Okay. Well, I have to imagine that Bath and Body Works is not selling candles to processions of the dead. So I have right. to imagine that these are just like, you know, your basic ass candles. It's just lard. It's just lard. So does it smell like burning fat? Because that sounds great. Yeah. I could be into that. So are I, we... I think we've deciphered that this procession smells yes. like cooking meat. Okay. So we're we're in agreement here that it's just wafts of meat coming into your While bed you're at sleeping, night. peeing your pants. Yes. Sounds like a normal Friday night for me. I so, love it. But yeah. Okay. Let's go. So now that we're in agreement with the meat smell following you, I'm gonna tell you about this living leader who again is um under a mysterious curse or compelled by a supernatural force to follow the meat smell, actually lead the meat smell. What an honor. It's yeah, truly. Uh, <laughs> so they go out every night, uh, especially during some specific times of year, which I'll get to. Mm. And they walk by towns, villages, and forests, forest, but in the morning have no recollection of doing so. Okay. Um, so because a living person is unaware of what they are doing, there is no chance that they will renounce their duty in leading the Santa Compagna as the curse that forces them to lead the procession puts them into a trance every midnight. Gotcha. So they don't even know no. when they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. It just hits them. Exactly. And then they wake up in the morning like, mm -hmm. oh, that was a great night's sleep, but I'm still a little tired. Yeah. And my feet are dirty. Yes. And I peed my pants. And, and I smell like meat. And then... <laughs> Their partner's just like, bro. Yeah. Same. <laughs> because they do it together. You know what I'm like? That's you know beautiful. what I'm saying? Yeah. That's really beautiful. That's what um, uh, true marriage is built on, actually. And really I think great. that we failed. I think so. Just I wake up tomorrow morning and there's just bacon grease all over the bed. <laughs> Somehow. We both peed our pants. <laughs> uh, that sounds really nice. Wouldn't it be the first time, baby? I'm going right. to let you have that one. <laughs> okay. So, Justin, you may be asking, how does this person become free from being the leader of the dead? How does this person become free from being the leader of the dead? Justin, that is an excellent question. Wow. wow. I thought of it myself. <laughs> so, according to uh, lore, the person can only be free of the curse if they manage to come across another person during the procession to carry the cross or the cauldron or both as the curse will be passed on to that person. So it's like it follows. Basically, yes. You have to find another person to just pass along the duty. However, what I think is very interesting is that it doesn't specifically state if the person has to take it wi willingly yeah, or if you can force the duty upon them. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. Yeah. So 
you know, for some people, this might sound like the deal of all deals. Like, okay, you get to, you get a party hardy at night with the spirits of the dead. Mm -hmm. You get to carry a cross or a cauldron or both. That sounds great. However, it is said that if the leader of the pack does not pass the curse onto another person in a matter of weeks, they will eventually grow pale, thin, and sickly and eventually die. And the curse will be passed on to another parishioner that will unknowingly receive the curse anyway. Oh, that's just terrible. I know. So it's just like you're going to get screwed regardless. Either way, yeah. Which is really crappy. Yeah. I guess yeah. like one person could do it to like their enemy. Yeah. But then at the same time, they're probably going to pass it back to like one of that person's friends. Yeah. So it's just terrible all the way. It's just... It just stinks. Or, you know, if you're just, if you're leading the procession and then you see, you see someone just coming home from the bar at night or you see someone coming home from a, from a third shift job and they're just yeah. walking by you and you're like, here's a cauldron. You're it now. And it's like, yeah. Well, no, That's not fair. They just had a long day. Right. Oh, no. It's so, so sad. Um, what's interesting though, is that according again to lore, and this goes beyond just the Santa Compagna. Compagna. This goes along to, um, Justin, I'm sure you have heard of this before, when people are sensitive. So mm. when you're sensitive to spirits, when you're sensitive to the paranormal, you are someone who maybe you have, um, I think in, is it, oh, I don't want to butcher this, but I want to say in shamanic cultures and native american cultures i'm so sorry people who are born with a veil yeah okay i'm again i'm so sorry if i'm butchering that oh. it just there are some people who are um they're they're born with a sensitivity predisposed. to yeah they're predisposed to um to see to see things that maybe not other people can see and to yeah. sense things that maybe other people cannot to to have those those lines between um, paranormal and reality blurred, mm -hmm. okay? This is also what some people believe um, happens with the Santa Compagna. Mm. So some people may actually see the procession, mm -hmm. while others may just have the sensory, the sensory um, feelings. When so they, they pee. Yes, exactly. When they pee when we're just going to pass right by that. Cause I agreed to it without actually realizing what you said. <laughs> uh, oh this man. Is how I became your girlfriend. Yep. This is how I said yes. To yeah. your oh, interesting. Fine. Interesting. Yep. <laughs> anyway, when they feel the warm touches. Yes, exactly. And the wind. So it's believed that those who can see the Santa Compagna are people who, when baptized by a priest of their parish, were mistakenly anointed with holy oil for the sick instead of uh, for your, your christening. Aha, uh -huh, yes. So it's almost like you're given a little bit of, you're given a little bit of, I don't want to say the dead juice, Hannah. What's another word? Oh my God. You're given something that you're not supposed to get, but because that in itself is characterized with sickness and possibly death, you are touched with that from a young age and therefore uh, you can see the dead. Mm -hmm. 
Um, gotcha. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, in other versions, again, as I said before, it is also believed that people with special sensibilities are able to see hidden things. Some people who are unable to see the souls, as I said before in the procession, can still perhaps see the light of their candles floating in the air like will-o'-wisps yes. or floating jack-o'-lanterns. Oh, cool. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is really interesting is that a lot of what happens in the lore around Santa Compagna is actually pretty similar to a lot of other lore that happens in Mexican culture, in Nordic culture, in Germanic culture. Um, so for some similarities, uh, Santa Compagna is almost like a procession of souls and it is a, um, it is a, uh, predecessor to the end of the world. So it is compared to Odin in Norse mythology to uh ragnarok so you see death before the end of the world okay yeah um so there's a lot when i was reading up on this there's a lot of talk about odin and ragnarok in here which i think is very very interesting yeah um what i also really like is that santo compagna is also referred to as the hostess or the gentai of morti um which I just think is interesting. And it goes back to uh, about the Middle Ages is, is the, the root. Wow. Um, whether or not they are separate, when I talk about the descriptions of the Santa Compagna, you you can definitely see similarities between, you know, um, is it Chiron? Oh, Chiron. Chiron. Chiron, who Justin talked about, oh gosh, way back when. Yeah. Who is in Greek myth mythology Greek Greek. Mm -hmm. um he is the like usher to the underworld yeah um also when you talk about people souls presence beings whatever in robes we obviously can think about uh the grim reaper Uh, you can talk about the oh god uh, the the four horsemen of the apocalypse yep you know, there's a lot of of things that are really similar between between all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to downplay anything and any of the of the cultural significance by any means, no. but I do just think it's interesting to to see those similarities as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in conclusion, mm. while most people in the Glacian region may have never first-handedly experienced the Santa Compagna with their own eyes, locals do believe that there are specific places in the area or times in the year throughout the world that are the most sensitive to appearances. Okay. So one of the most sensitive times or and or areas is during uh, Dia de Muertos. Mm-hmm. So again, a different a different part of the world. Yeah. But um, it is thought that during Dia de Muertos or the Day of the Dead that um, the, the um, how do I say this? The 
barriers between realities are lessened. Yes. And that souls can more easily cross over to visit their relatives or living relatives. They're almost invited. Exactly. You know, you, you honor your family members, your friends, your loved ones, Mm -hmm. those who have passed on in general. Yeah. And so because of that, um, many people believe that Dia de Muertos is a very appropriate time to see the ushering of the dead. Yeah. Almost being like the, the, people to kind of round them back in at the end of their night okay yeah so to say okay souls we had a wonderful time Mm -hmm. on dia de muertos now it's time to come home come back yeah um which i really like it just gave myself goosebumps oh cute the next part is very interesting so um the camino de santiago which i talked about at the beginning of this is um, something that I did not know about until lovely Marcy informed me of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not even going to try to describe what the Camino de Santiago is in a in a big term, but basically it is a very um, it is like a rite of passage for a lot of people, especially if you identify as maybe a Christian or if you are just interested in um, in doing, you know, historical routes or whatever it may be. But it yeah. is a it's a freaking long length. It's 825 kilometers Whoa. that you can walk, you can hike. There are places that you can camp along the way. Yeah. Um, and the um, the. Camino de Santiago is a place where a lot of um, appearances have said to have occurred, Mm. particularly before sunrise or after sunset between October 31st and the 1st of November or Todos los Santos. On these days, so, you know, like the couple hours between Mm -hmm. uh, sunrise and sunset on Halloween and, you know, and a lot of places the the stories exponentially increase with santa copania interesting um during these days it is recommended mm-hmm. even by some i don't know some pretty big websites in my companion in my my companion in my opinion um so there's caminoways.com there's camino adventures follow the camino they said you know, maybe if you want to honor deceased children and infants, maybe just don't do it during the night yeah. on these days. Just do it by the light of the sun. Right. Which I think is really interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you are lucky enough to uh, to avoid the Santa Compagna in your life, congratulations. But, you know, we have to end this. Mm-hmm. The, the story with uh, a little bit of a little bit of luck, a mm-hmm. little bit of advice. If you do happen to come across the procession of the dead, right? So, if you are unlucky enough to pass by or to see the Santa Compagna, or just candles hovering in the air and you smell meat, yeah, <laughs> coming your way, yeah, you've peed your pants you've already. Peed your pants, yep, and it's just overwhelming. Here's my tips and tricks. Mm. Perfect. Brought to you by the people of the Glacian region Great. of what to do. Yeah. First of all, you got to have a couple things in your pocket wow. at all times. Wow. Rough start. I know. It can be all of these things, one of these things, but honestly, depending on, well, reading this list, it should be all of these things. Great. So 
If you're at home, just have these next to your bed. Mm -hmm. If you're hiking the uh, Camino de Santiago, mm -hmm. have them in your fanny pack, mm -hmm. have them in your pockets, right. have them next to you or on your persons at all time. Great. Those things include, and I'll come back and explain these more, mm -hmm. chalk, a black cat, um, garlic and or beetles, and the ability to say the words Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. Any questions? Uh, several. Okay. <laughs> I'll just let you explain first. I think. Okay. Okay. So according to my sources, if you should see the Santa Compania pass by or you see him coming, you must quickly draw Solomon's circle on the ground using chalk. So Solomon's circle, what is that you may ask? It is a circle with the seal of Solomon inside of a six pointed star. Okay. Okay. So you're going to start off by drawing the six pointed star mm -hmm. and then you're going to draw in the middle of it, the seal of Solomon, which, excuse me. Okay. So you're going to basically, it's, it's basically the star of David, but then you're going to draw in all of, and then you got to draw a circle around it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So draw that. Okay. Right. Yeah. Draw that quickly. Okay. Do you stand inside of it? Justin, great question. You need to enter it immediately. You can stand, but they actually recommend lying face down in the middle of the star until the procession passes. Because what happens if you're outside of it at all? Here's the thing. According to my sources, they say that when you lie down in the middle of it, the spirits still see you, but they think that you're injured and basically dead weight and they mm -hmm. don't want you. Okay. So my recommendation is That's maybe... That's how I feel as well. Exactly. Yeah. If you're outside of it, maybe just lay down. Yeah. But try and get in the middle of it and lay down. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another way to evade the Santa Compagna is to tie a black cat in the middle of the Santa Compagna's path and run away as quickly as you can from it. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so just have a black cat. Right. Put it in the path. Mm -hmm. Tie it to a stick. Whatever you got to do. Great. Another way to do it is to form devil horns <laughs> with your fingers, with really? your hands. Yep. Really? So I think there's a couple of like football teams that, that do it's this. Longhorn. It's yeah. basically just the rock and roll symbol. Right. Form this. Throw it up. I don't know. Just do it. Just throw up. That yep. basically yes. Um, my final sources. Last but not least, recommend the last two things. Mm -hmm. They say to have garlic and or beetles in your pockets. Right. And while you have garlic and beetles in your pockets, open your arms to form a cross with your body and pronounce at the top of your lungs, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Yes. So that's really weird uh because it makes me think of we've been watching dragon ball recently yeah makes me think of this little this little boy was uh fighting a vampire and <laughs> he just stood in the shape of a cross yes and the vampire got freaked out and it was like oh oops <laughs> and jesus christ flashed across the screen and yes. i was like is this really yes. what we're doing did you say that i got um edited out well i'm was, sure they uh, didn't even show that no in, yeah 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 thank you it's just very bizarre but may the power of christ compel you correct so yeah. that's great
um, I do really quickly want to once again thank my sweet Marcy, mm-hmm. um, if you're still listening, my darling, for recommending that. Uh, I really love recommendations. Thank you so much, you know, for all of you that have. We've gotten some really great ones over the past. You make our lives a lot easier. Yeah. Um, plus, it's always fun because hopefully it's a topic that you will like hearing about. Or you'd be like, oh my gosh, I know that one. Right. You like, know, it's just fun. It's some sort of interaction with. Yeah people who listen and that's always fun exactly so i appreciate it thank you it was fun that was a very weird one i've never heard of that nice very freaky yeah i like it i just like i like stories um that are culturally shared that even if people have never seen them they're like don't mess with this yeah you know like marcy's friend was like no don't camp you need to stay in a hostel because the santa compagna will will take you and it's like that is something that that person probably grew up here right yeah yeah and i i love stories like that yeah it's so weird (laughs) you know because even if it's you know if it's a myth or if it's just a, a folk tale it's like it's Things that scare people bring people together. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. That's true. Yeah. Good so. job. All right. Well, I'm really excited to hear what you have for me today. Well, uh, you're probably not going to be super thrilled. Um, it's sort of a bummer, but it's one, <laughs> it's a big one. And I've been wanting to do it for a long time. All right. Are you doing the sink of the Titanic? What? The spooky, the spookiest story of them all? Uh, what? I don't know. I just kind of, <laughs> I just, I word vomited. Hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what we that's what this podcast is now yes great it's a word vomit and peeing pants <laughs> all right i'm not going to tell you um the name of it yet okay i'm also not going to tell you <laughs> the sources yet <clears throat> just gonna wait a little bit this is like a www dot uh alien abduction.com literally like, oh, is okay the, yeah that's the title so <laughs> i'm just gonna jump into this one all right i'm excited okay Ronald Joseph DeFeo Sr. was born on November 16th, 1930, to parents Rocco and Antoinette DeFeo. When he was younger, Ronald was slender, handsome, and had a powerful gaze. Same. With his suave looks, he was able to attract the attention of Louise Marie Brigante. Born on November 3rd, 1931, to Michael and Angela Brigante, Louise had wanted to pursue a modeling career. After a brief courtship, Ronald and Louise got married. Since the Brigantes disapproved of Ronald, they cut all ties with the newlyweds until September 26, 1951, when Ronald Joseph DeFeo Jr., a.k.a. Butch, was born. I have a nice picture of this family. It's a cute little family for you. Um, Just try try not to look at anything else. I won't do spoilers. It's a cute little family. That's a nice looking family. Yeah. That they're they're great. Right. Okay. Um so ba- based solely on the names that I've said so far, do you have any inkling of what this might be? Is this the uh, origin story of Rocky perchance? No. Okay. That's not spooky. Some could argue. Russia is spooky is that what's going on here yes okay um no i actually i have no clue i feel like with a name like rocco and butch i know rocco was a grandparent yeah. but 
uh no i don't i don't know this yet i'm sure there are people that are just like yeah there are probably people who know what this is yeah i have no clue all right i'm gonna continue okay we're just diving into this backstory you know all right okay so growing up butch defeo had it hard because butch was the firstborn and a boy of course in you know (laughs) the 1950s um his father expected a lot more from him um, and Ronald was not afraid to discipline Butch in the cruelest of fashions. One minute he would be hugging his son. The next minute he would throw him across the room. Oh, so great start here. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Luis's brother, Michael Brigante Jr. would later testify at the DeFeo trial about an incident he witnessed when Butch was two years old. He said, we were all sitting down in the basement watching TV and I don't know, the boy had done something all of a sudden. He stood up, the father, and just pushed the boy this way into the wall. The boy banged his head or part of his shoulder or something. As a child, Butch was extremely overweight and would remain so until his later teenage years when he began using amphetamines. Butch's school life suffered because of his weight problem. Um, Other kids would often make fun of him, calling him names. Uh, But thankfully, Butch was not an only child for long. On July 29th, 1956, Louise gave birth to a daughter, Dawn Teresa DeFeo. And a few years later, on August 16th, 1961, Louise gave birth to Allison Louise DeFeo. And then again, on September 4th, 1962, to Mark Gregory DeFeo. Sometime after the birth of Mark, Louise decided to leave her husband for reasons that remain unclear. Mm. To get his wife back, Ronald decided to put his writing talents to good use, needing to express his love for his wife. Ronald co-wrote a song called The Real Thing. Hmm. And in 1963, jazz great Joe Williams recorded the song for his album titled One is a Lonesome Number. On October 24th, 1965, Ronald was blessed with a third son, John Matthew DeFeo. By this time, the family had moved from their Brooklyn apartment to the affluent Long Island South Shore community amityville oh no (laughs) you know nothing good can come from a story that takes place in amityville because you know it can't be like oh here's bill gates's humble upbringing in the lovely town of amityville no Mm -hmm. nothing good comes from this yes Okay, so which one is Ryan Reynolds? Uh, he's not in it yet. Dang it! Yeah. All right, cool, cool, cool. Great. So, I have to ask, how much do you know about the story behind Amityville? Not a darn thing. And you know what's very shocking? Is that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've never seen any of the movies. I've never listened to a podcast about the Amityville horror. It's just one of those things where it's like, oh, the Amityville horror, you know, yeah. you know it. Sure. But I don't know anything about it. So this will be my first, first listening experience. Okay. And I'm super pumped. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a big one. Well, how do you feel so far? It's not the backstory that I was expecting right away. Yeah. So does the name Butch DeFeo? ring any bells with you no okay not at all which is great okay it helps that you have a very naive and it 
yeah. um, uh, sheltered wife. It will ring oh. bells for you oh. in the future. Okay, good, good, good. So, of course, now, unfortunately, we have to move on to the murders. Can I ask a clarifying question? Okay. So, the wife did come back after the song. Um, great. Sorry. Yes. Oh, she did. Okay. Yes. That's because another son happened. I wasn't sure right. if it was with another yeah, person. Yeah, no, it was with her as well. Okay. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Yep. Carry on. Okay. In the early morning hours of November 13th, 1974, one Amityville house in Long Island, New York, became more than a mere suburban home. Instead, it became a ghastly crime scene as Ronald DeFeo Jr. skulked the halls with a rifle and killed his parents and four of his siblings in their sleep. Oh my God. It was the middle of the night on November 13, 1974, when 23-year-old Ronald DeFeo Jr. killed six of his relatives with a 35 caliber rifle while they were asleep. Parents Louise and Ronald DeFeo Sr., siblings 18-year-old Don, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, and 9-year-old John Matthew. Though he confessed to his deeds, DeFeo's defense would later attempt to enter an insanity plea. DeFeo claimed he was guided by malevolent voices in his head and couldn't control his behavior. On the day in question, DeFeo Jr. left work and went to a bar. He kept calling his home to no avail and complained to some of the bar patrons about it. He eventually left only to return at 6.30 a.m. when he yelled, You gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. Authorities found all six family members dead in their beds, shot with a rifle at around 3.15 a.m. and positioned on their stomachs. There was no sign of struggle, nor that they were drugged. No local reports of gunshots were logged, with only the DeFeo dog barking away. Um, I, I have a picture of DeFeo himself here, um, basically being led away from the house. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, this was in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, 50, 50 years ago almost, but. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So, DeFeo changed his alibi several times from claiming he was at the bar during the time of the murders to mob hitman Louis Fellini killing his family while forcing DeFeo Jr. to watch. Mm. He eventually confessed that he gunned down his own family and stood trial on October 14th, 1975. Though attorney William Weber tried to enter an insanity plea, the prosecution argued that DeFeo Jr. was a mere drug addict who was well aware of what he was doing that night. He was convicted on six counts of second-degree murder and sentenced to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. So that's the worst part so far. I mean, okay. that's the worst part of the episode, really, is yeah. hearing about what he did. Oh, so so sad. I wanted to talk about it just a little bit yeah. and just say there are a couple really bizarre things about this case. Yeah. Um, 
I think one of the things that a lot of people point to is that all six of them were found on their stomachs. Yeah. Like they were laying face down in the beds, which is super weird. Yeah. Um, what, like, how? And then the fact that he went through the house and shot the gun six times at least, mm-hmm. and nobody woke up. Yeah. And moved because there was no blood or anything anywhere else in the house. So that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if like if he moved them or if he flipped them on their stomachs because I'm sorry but if if I heard a oh well, I can't I can't say this for for sure, but I'm surprised that if they heard a gunshot mm-hmm. multiple times, especially I don't know the order in which they were killed. Right. How do you not wake up? Yeah. Try and go somewhere because yeah, if you're shot standing up, there would be a blood trail. Um, yeah. Hmm. I don't this is hard. I don't want to talk myself into a no, 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 into no. a corner, but you're good. Can I just say though that um, and I'm not trying to derail us by any means, but I, when I thought of the Amityville horror, this is not what I thought of. I thought that it was a haunting yeah. only. I did. I don't even know if it's a haunting. I did not know that this, that the murder of six people even occurred. Right. Wow. Yes. Um. Hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, I I want to say that um I want to say that he killed the parents first. Okay. Let me see quick. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. So it's hard to say because I didn't specifically do like look into which ones came first, but yeah. it sounds like um, so both of the parents had been shot twice. Mm. Um, the children had all been killed with single shots. Um, and I believe that the parents were killed first mm. and then there was some evidence that suggested that um, the mother was awake when she was killed, and then so was Allison. Oh, yeah. So, Justy, it was. It's so horrible, and I don't. It's just hard to fathom how this all took place. Yeah, and people have suggested that maybe he left you know maybe like his brothers the littlest ones for last because they trusted him you know it's just it's really heinous oh god um it's really gruesome yeah and really horrible i don't really have words yeah for it but it was very it felt like it was out of nowhere yeah it felt like it was random and so horrific kind of out of nowhere yeah and i think that's partially what a lot of people like to grab on to sure because and again i i don't understand family trauma 
in that way and I don't understand obviously the family dynamics but as an outsider I could I'm sorry to say this but I could be like okay he had issues with his dad being abusive yeah kill your dad yeah maybe he had issues with his mom for not sticking up with him whatever kill yeah. your mom I just think that when it comes to a whole family everyone else everyone and then all of the just the weird parts of it it's just yeah but I also think it's easier to kind of say, oh, well, you know, the devil made him do it or, you know, like demonic possession. Because I think that that especially for hopefully people who don't kill other people, I think that it's it's almost easier to to think about otherworldly things instead of just being like, oh, well, a person did this. Yeah. I mean, do, people do talk about his drug addiction as sure. well. So, I mean, that probably, that could have easily had something to do with it. Yeah. Um, it's just hard to conceive of the events yeah. of that night. And and, I, yeah. Yeah. And the crappy thing is, is that I know you're not done mm -hmm. because I know that you wouldn't just talk about a murder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay. I've got more sad things coming my way. Well, if you're ready, I have a picture of your father and another lady next. So why does my dad look like <laughs> literally every person from the 70s? I'm serious. Yeah. Bob Seeger, lead singer yeah. of um of, of Boston. Oh, I was gonna say Bob Seeger, lead singer of Bob Seeger. <laughs> yes. Um Bob Seeger and the Bob Seeger band. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so weird. The so this is a picture of the Lutz family, George and Kathy. George and Kathy. Mm -hmm. So we're moving on to the aftermath um, at this point. So I don't want to. We have to push forward. <gasps> so it wasn't until after the Lutz family moved into the house in December of 1975 Okay, so wait, how big So he was? killed them in November of 1974. Oh. And he was convicted, um, or he was at least on trial, October 14th of 1975. Wow. So they moved into this house two months later. That is way too quick of a turnaround. I don't care how nice that house is. Uh-uh. Yep. yep. Goodbye. Well, this is around the time that the purported haunting of the Amityville Horror House allegedly set in. George and Kathy Lutz believed their purchase of the 4,000 square foot house at $80,000 was a steal, which at that time it definitely was. I wonder why it was. But they moved out 28 days later after terrifying incidents allegedly forced them to flee the house. 28 days. Mm -hmm. That's also a horror movie title. It is. Yeah, that's wow. cute. Cute. Wow. Their spine-tingling tales of paranormal activity are what propelled the legend of the Amityville horror and spawned a torrent of books, documentaries, and films. Oh, God. Um, now I would like to just cite my sources really quick. Okay. Um, Biography.com. Okay. Wikipedia, of course, moves me on to other articles. Yes. Um, all that's interesting.com mm -hmm. and amityvillemurders.com. <laughs> oh, the, the three first yeah. Yeah, ones. No, no I, I don't think I would have gotten <laughs> a spoiler from that, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. huh. Yep. Yeah. 
Good. All right. So here are some of the scary facts claimed by the Lutz family, as well as other interesting ones about the infamous house whose horror has yet to die. All right. The Lutz family experienced all kinds of supernatural activity. So, of course, first off, we have to talk about George Lutz has a history of dabbling in the occult. Never a good sign. Um, George, who was played by Ryan Reynolds in the movie. Ah, dude, nice. George was said to wake up at 3.15 every morning, which was right around the time that Ron carried out his murders. I'm exhausted. Really? Just from that one? Yes. Great. Uh, The entire Lutz family claimed to smell strange odors, see green slime oozing out of the walls and keyholes, and then they experienced cold spots in certain areas of the house. When a priest came over to bless the house, he allegedly heard a voice scream, get out. Hmm. He told the Lusses to never sleep in that particular room of the house. But don't don't leave. No. Don't leave. (laughs) Just don't sleep in that room. You can go in there, write your little books, Uh and watch some movies, but don't sleep in there. (laughs) It's their master bedroom. (laughs) Truly. Yeah, honestly, probably. All right. And then we have just a random assembling of other paranormal activity, such as the garage door opening and closing completely on its own. Were these things electric at that point? All of my experience with 1970s garage doors, you know, strictly from movies and TV shows, or that no, they had to be opened by themselves, but I have no clue. Right. I mean, sure. Especially in affluent communities. Yeah. Well, the problem is when I look up electric garage opener. Yeah. <laughs> it comes up with Home Depot. <laughs> Absolutely. Amazon ads, you know, Menards. So actually, the first electric automated garage door opener was invented by Mr. Johnson, C.G. Johnson, in 1926. What? Yeah. So this very easily could have been electric. Okay, fine. Still weird. Correct. Yes. Uh, next, an invisible spirit was throwing knives on the floor in the kitchen where they would stab into the floor. Mm. Next up, I think is worst of all, a horrifying pig-like creature with deep red eyes was seen staring down at George and his son Daniel from a bedroom window. And I actually have a screen cap of this from the movie. I'm not looking at it. The first movie. It's not scary. I don't oh think it's scary. God, you can barely tell. You just see the red eyes. Oh it's like God. purple. Yep. 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 That's fine. Um, George would wake up to see his wife, Kathy, levitating off of their bed. No. Um, sons, Daniel and Christopher, were also levitating together in their beds. Mm. And even cloven hoof prints were found all throughout their yard, which can commonly be found on animals like cattle, deer, and pigs. Nope. 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 Uh-huh. I do, I do not like this. And all of this stuff 
and more was portrayed in many of the movies sure. and books and documentaries made about this this event. So and the question kind of comes into play where like did the violent and horrible acts that were committed by Butch DeFeo conjure up the worst kind of beings possible? Or were they there all along? Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. Because like did something drive him to this or was it just his own inability to cope with his current situation? Sure. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, I just feel like darkness finds darkness. Right. And mm. I just, I can't imagine waking up, seeing you levitating, Ooh. looking into the window, seeing a pig face uh-huh. staring at me. Right. At that point, I'm opening my own garage door, mm-hmm. getting in the car, seeing, see you later, family, and leaving. Correct. Okay, real quick before we dive in a little bit deeper. You said that the, that the family, the, the Lutzes, mm-hmm. they were only there for like 28 days before they left. Yes. What I find is very interesting is that in a lot of, I'm going to say most because I don't know a lot of haunted house stories because mm-hmm. they freaking scare me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of haunted house stories, people are there for a bit. Yeah. Like like the ghosts and demons, they kind of, you know, like they'll do a, a couple little spooky things, you know, maybe like a couple days in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's a while before the big stuff, the the pig demons come out and right. the knives. But these ghosts within and spirits, a month. Within a month, they're like, no, day one, let's go. Yeah. Levitating. Right. Hooves. Dua Lipa. Do <laughs> Dua Lipa's there. Yeah. God, what a dream. Yeah. Ugh. I just think it's very interesting that just so much happened to them reportedly right. in just a short Such amount of time. Such a quick, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I do have a little bit more to talk about. All right. Um, I'd like to kind of get into like an afterward section. Um, so like a, where are they now? Cute. Uh, pig. Up, upstairs Stop. still still up there to this day <laughs> cannot find the stairs and no one will let him out no and he's just at this point he just has to go to the bathroom exactly you know so i think there's a thing that like cows can't go down stairs or something <laughs> i think you're right yeah. i remember for our senior prank everybody was like oh let's let's lead a cow upstairs and it'd be funny i'm like that's would not, that be funny that's not nice because they they go past Poor baby exactly they go past elevator capacity too so right but i'm wondering if that's like if pigs can't go downstairs either oh maybe you know yeah let's test it out let's do it let's see great okay so a little bit of follow-up with all the people who are involved um, still alive. Um, well, were still alive. Sure. Kathleen Teresa Lutz um, lived from October 13th, 1946 to August 17th, 2004. Oh. Uh, she passed away of emphysema. And George Lee Lutz, uh, born January 1st, 1947, lived to May 8th, 2006, who died of heart disease. Mm. The couple had divorced in the late 1980s, but they remained on good terms. Okay. Um, 
during the period in which the Lutz family was living at 112 Ocean Avenue, Dr. Stephen Kaplan, a self-styled vampirologist and ghost hunter, was called in to investigate the house. Kaplan and the Lutzes had a falling out after Kaplan said that he would expose any fraud that was found. Hmm. Kaplan went on to write a critical book titled The Amityville Horror Conspiracy with his wife, Roxanne Kaplan. The book was published in 1995. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so... Not a cute look. No. Uh, for the Lutzes. No, not at all. But also, like, rude. Yeah. You know? Like, just let them have their horror right? time. Because, like, what is your motivation for that? Because I can't imagine that you had a quick selling turnaround for that. Like, okay, if you get into a house, like, eh, this isn't really what we wanted. Yeah. My first thought would not be go, would not go to, we're going to pretend the place is haunted yeah that's you know? true yeah that's just me i mean they did get like massive book and movie deals their family's probably still getting royalties fine but fair okay. you know let them have it if yeah. they were inventive enough to come up with all that stuff yeah good on them it's great um on the night of march 6th 1976 the house was investigated by no Ed and Lorraine Warren. No. Are you freaking kidding me? A husband and wife team self-described as demonologists. Oh, my God. Goals. Together with a crew from the television station Channel 5 New York and reporter Michael Linder of WNEW-FM. During the course of the investigation, Gene Campbell took a series of infrared time-lapse photographs one of the images allegedly showed a demonic-looking boy with glowing eyes who is standing at the foot of a staircase. And I actually have a picture of him. And what I found out is that a lot of people think that this is the littlest brother of Butch. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. I mean, what his the eyes... heck? Oh! You see it now? his eyes are shiny probably because it was an infrared and those would be the most like reflective or the hottest part so they would show up the brightest you know but like the lutz's children were not there no no supposedly supposedly that is not a real boy who was like alive at the time oh i hate that oh 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 yeah oh but at the same time, that's really sad it is that he's really still sad. there. Yeah, little sweet baby. Yeah. Um, the photograph did not emerge into the public domain until 1979 mm-hmm. when George and Kathy Lutz and Rod Steiger appeared on the Merv Griffin show Interesting. to promote the release of the first film. Mm. Um, 112 Ocean Avenue was also investigated by the parapsychologist Hans Holzer. The Warrens and Holzer have suggested that the house is occupied by malevolent spirits due to its history. Um, And then the Warrens' visit to the house was also depicted in the 2016 film, The Conjuring 2. Right at the very beginning. I don't remember that, but okay. Huh. That's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a terrifying picture, though. I don't like it. I hate it a lot. It needs to go away now. Okay, Okay. it's gone. Yeah, you're good. Good. It's gone. Good. Um, so we have to talk about the house 
today. Mm-hmm. The house known as 112 Ocean Avenue still exists, but it has been renovated and the address has changed mm. in order to discourage sightseeing or sightseers from visiting it. I see. Uh, the quarter round windows have been removed and the house today looks considerably different from its depiction in the films. Mm. Um, Cause in the films it's the one with George and Kathy. Yeah. That is what it looks like in all of the movies. Really? Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It um, kind of looks like the house has eyes. Yeah. Uh, except huh. now it's considerably different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, the local residents and authorities in Amityville, New York, are unhappy with the attention that the Amityville horror brings to the town, and they tend to decline requests to discuss it publicly. Mm. The website of the Amityville Historical Society actually makes no mention of the murders by Ronald DeFeo Jr. in 1974 or the period that the Lutz family lived at 112 Ocean Avenue. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Uh, which I think it's a little rude to not mention the murders at least. Yeah. Like you don't have to talk about the Lutzes. Yeah. But you should at least recognize that like six that people poor family lives. was killed. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very interesting because some communities really lean into that. Yeah. But this community hates it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, when the History Channel made its documentary about the Amityville horror in 2000, no member of the Historical Society of Amityville would discuss the matter on camera. Wow. So they really don't like, love this at all. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in May 2010, the house was placed on the market with an asking price of $1.15 million. Oh, wow. Glow up from 80000 Uh-huh. Yeah. In August 2010, the house was sold to a local resident for $950,000. What a steal. It has gone through many owners, and the price has fluctuated wildly since originally being sold. Sure. And now, finally, let's talk about good old Ronnie DeFeo Jr. Do we have? Ronald DeFeo Jr. was 69 when he died March 12th, 2021 (gasps) at a hospital in Albany, New York. What? I did not know about this. He was still an inmate of a maximum security prison in Sullivan County, New York. The death was confirmed by the New York Department of Corrections and Community Services, and the cause of death has been withheld for family privacy reasons. Oh, man. And then I have some pictures of him uh, like during the trial and then how he looked um, like more recently. Sure. Okay. Uh, during different appearances. And... Um, that useless sack of crap is gone. Wow. Yeah. So huh. I think I think everyone is better off for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you remember like news coverage or anything about this? I mean, I understand that we were <laughs> there were some other important things going on in March of 2021, but mm. do you remember hearing about him? I do actually, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I remember uh, some certain podcast that I listened to also brought it up. Sure. They okay. just made sure to break the news to their audience yeah. and, um, you know, just kind of leave it at that. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, thankfully, he's gone. Yep. Um, and I think people will always remember the family. Uh, that was lost. Yeah. 
and maybe not him so much. Uh, Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I would so much rather... I would so much rather that their story not be his. Right. If that makes sense. And I kind of feel the same way about the Lutzes too. Like as far as what I learned from the research, they didn't necessarily blame or claim that their experiences were based on Mm. anything that he did. Okay. You know? Interesting. I mean, granted, they said it was a haunted house. Sure. Because of its past events. Yeah. But I don't think they directly tied it to him as a way of, like, gaining publicity of the horrible events. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, maybe they did, but that's not the way that I interpreted it. Okay. Okay. I like that. That is the Amityville murders and purported haunting wow yeah you know i don't think that there's anyone else that i'd rather hear this story from the first time wow i think that i would be okay not hearing it again right maybe not watching the movies Mm -hmm. i'd be okay yes but i am glad to finally know the story behind it yeah Behind the, you know, the three-word hype. Right. And I think you crushed it. I think that was a wonderful, spooktacular welcome back episode. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Good job. Wow. Wow. All right. You know we got to come back hard (laughs) with our recommendation station. Oh, I forgot we do that. No. So uh, naturally, (laughs) I have... I have stuff raring to go. Oh my god! Okay, you I've go got ahead, baby. Fourteen hundred things, <laughs> but I'm gonna put you on the spot first. No, <laughs> I've had five months to think about this, and it's not long enough. Correct. Can you go first, please? Yeah. So, I just recommend Squid Game. And it's like no, it's old news. Oh. <laughs> No, actually, I was going to recommend it's a little show. Uh, if you like things that are not even spooky, mm-hmm. just spooky adjacent okay. and kind of fun, kind of funny, but it's also a crime procedural about, <laughs> you know, angels, demons, and Lucifer. Mm. I'm going to recommend the show Lucifer. Wow. On Netflix. Um <laughs> I didn't think that I was going to like it as much as I do. Yeah. I think it's just a really fun show to watch. Like it deals with personal issues in like a new way. Um, and it's really interesting seeing I, part of my fascination with crime procedurals is the lengths that people will go to to think of a new crime or like new ways to murder people yeah um it's so interesting Hmm. but what's fascinating about this show is that it what happens to people and the crimes they tend to have some sort of relevance to a personal issue that lucifer is going through in that episode interesting i did not know that yeah um it's just kind of fun. Like, it's very witty. Yeah. Um, it's a little dark, but it's 
more like witty and fun. And it you got has, a British king of hell, right? Right. And I was going to say, Lucifer himself is awesome. <laughs> he is portrayed really well. Nice. Um, all of the characters are really interesting. And it's just kind of a fun spin on yeah. like a normal crime procedural cop show. Okay. It's good. That's awesome. Is it done now? I believe the final season just came out on Netflix earlier this year. Oh, okay. Um, so it is available on Netflix. Okay. Just stream. Wonderful. Yeah. I know that you like that one a lot because when I go to bed three hours before you do, right. you're always like, all right, it's Lucy time. Yep. So it's good. Cute. That is very good. Great recommendation. Well, mine is a cop out hmm. because you're not going to say Squid Game, are you? Dang it. You knew it. Ugh. No. Mine is a cop out because it's a show that you told me about. Ah. Folks okay. and yeah. friends. Can that also be my recommendation? Yeah. This can also be yours. Let me tell you about perhaps one of the most perfect shows I have ever seen in my entire life. Yes. Everybody, if you don't have a Netflix subscription, download it now. There's a good reason to get one. Yeah. Everybody, if you don't have access to American Netflix, get a VPN now because you... It's just a Netflix show. So oh, okay. So it's... A... No. You know what? VPNs are good, I guess, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, they're useful. Yeah. Yeah. I need you to watch the brilliant, beautiful, heartbreakingly a perfect show that is called Love on the Spectrum oh. because it rocked my socks mm -hmm. And it is hands down one of the best shows I have ever seen. Yes. It is a beautiful portrayal about individuals on the spectrum that live in uh, Australia. The autism spectrum. Excuse just me. in case nobody Thank knows you. that. Yeah. I appreciate that. And it is a beautiful depiction into the fact that most people in this world just want love. Mm -hmm. And they want companionship. Yeah. And it is, again, just one of the most brilliant shows that I've ever seen. I binged it in about two days. Yeah, same. I cried. Yeah. I laughed. Same. I wanted nothing but the best for every single person that they, sh that they showed on that show. And yeah. I, it was truly an honor to watch it. Yeah, it so. was amazing. I think one of the coolest things that I discovered while watching that show, you kind of alluded to it in a certain way, but like how much of myself that I saw in all of the people I was watching, yeah, um, it kind of changed my perspective on <clears throat> what it means to be on the spectrum. I really like that. Like they are, you kind of said this, they just, want to be loved yeah and they want to love yeah then like that is just the basest mm -hmm. human feeling yeah you want companionship you want friendship yeah and feeling yeah. and in so many of those interactions i just i saw myself mm -hmm. i saw other people like i was just like these are just people yeah and that's it's that simple absolutely and it was really amazing that's pretty romantic it was very romantic absolutely ronan oh my god <laughs> ronan 
man. So again, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If you just want your heart to melt and mm-hmm. if you want to learn a little bit about the world around you and if you want to get shooken up, I think that it's a perfect show to watch. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I think that it started a really interesting conversation that I want to continue having. Mm-hmm. Um, not to get super, super deep into this, but um, in the line of work that I have been in and I want to continue going into, there's been a big conversation regarding um, the, the, the way that you talk about people on the spectrum. Sure. So in my schooling and in my interactions, I was always taught you say a person with autism. You know, mm-hmm. you put the person first, person first language. But in the show and in in the autistic community, what I've been seeing a lot about on social media is that people who have autism, they claim themselves as autistic persons. Yeah. And I really like that. And they're like, I'm not a person with autism. I'm I'm an autistic person. Yeah. And I really like that. Right. So what I think that this show sparked in me is that I just, I want to keep on learning more. Yeah, and I'm exactly. so pumped to do so. Yeah. So before I uh, talk more about this show than anything else I've ever talked about in this podcast. And cry more. <laughs> yes, mostly that. Yeah. I think that... Um, we're going to pause there. Yeah. But. I think that's enough for, for one night. I think so. Yeah. I just want to say, mm. Justin Voss, mm. love of my life. Who? Beans to my bread. No. I don't know what I was trying to say there. I was trying to compliment your butt somehow. Not. Yep. Jesse Voss. Mm. It's been a long five months. Yeah. But I'm so glad to be back. Me too. I missed you. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I have been gone for five months. You have been. So. <laughs> you just took... been upstairs watching Lucifer. Mostly that and love on the spectrum. And so. love on the spectrum. And um, now it's just really cool to be back. And especially, you know, bruh, we got six days till Halloween. I know. Yeah. It is the spookiest time of year. This is the year that my blood turns black. If you know what I mean. That Bay definitely B. should not be happening and you should see a doctor immediately. No, nah, it's fine. It's just, it just <laughs> smells like meat. Mm, yes. Have you I peed see candles? I... <laughs> because I've been here sitting in pee for the last 30 minutes. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. We should maybe take care of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I mean, all we can really say is stay safe. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.